Well, we are uh, finishing up a series on Jacob. Um, I'll tell you, it's been so cool to hear so many people say how much they've enjoyed the series and really kind of diving into the life of Jacob. And if you miss any of the messages in the series, uh, you can go to most places that podcasts are played. Uh, you could also check them out on our Church Center app or YouTube. If you never want to miss a message, which I'm sure you don't, uh, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel and you will make sure to always know what's happening. Well, so far, we have discovered some things about the life of Jacob. Man, Jacob was a very troubled guy. How many, how many know that is so true? And he came from a very troubled family. And even though he was such a mess up guy, he was still chosen by God. And isn't that like most of us today? We, when we consider our life, we kind of go, yeah, I've done some mess up things, but God has still chosen me. You know, Jacob relied through most of his life on his manipulating and grabbing ways to get whatever he wanted. And in fact, Jacob's life was uh, so messy and messed up. There was more drama in his family than the people of Jerry Springer and the housewives of L.A. combined. I mean, it was just a total mess. Uh, but after Jacob deceiving his brother Esau, uh, he ran off because his brother vowed to kill him when their dad died, forcing Jacob to go on the run for 20 years. But how many know that God made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that God would make sure to provide a land for this family, that literally the Messiah would come through this specific family? Which leads us to this last week of our series. And there's really so much more to unfold in Jacob's life as we break into the lives of his children and we watch how the 12 tribes of Israel begin to take the promised land. And, and really, this family dominates the rest of the Old Testament story and into the New Testament as the person of Jesus uh, comes to this planet. But I want to um, give you the title of this message today, and here's the title. It is this, Getting You Ready. Somebody say, Getting You Ready. Yes. Getting You Ready. God is getting Jacob ready for something significant in his life. And we're going to examine in this passage today how God encounters Jacob and brings breakthrough in Jacob's life to prepare him to journey back home. So this is where we're going to pick up in the story. Go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32. We're going to read verse 9 through 13 and then verse 22 through 32. It'll be up on the screen for you to read. Before we read our passage today, we're going to pray. And I want to just remind everybody in the house today, how many know that God speaks to us today? Man, he does it through people. He does it through his word. He does it through pastors, through sermons, through messages. But I know this, that God will speak to us if we open our hearts today. And so as the message is preached, I want you to just find places in scripture to highlight things that stick out to you, circle what sticks out to you. If something is said or a phrase is said that, that sticks out to you, these are often moments where God is asking us to lean in because he's saying, hey, I want to talk to you here. I want to talk to you about something. So let's pray and lean into what he says to us. Father, we love you today and we thank you for your kindness. God, to allow us to live in a free country where we can come together and worship 
God without threat of persecution in ways that people are seeing in other places of the world, like Israel, God, and Palestine. God, we know there's Christians on both sides of the fence. God, we pray that you bring peace to this region of the world. And God, we remember them today as we sit, God, and hear your word. We open our hearts to you and ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and do only what you can do. In Jesus' name, somebody say a a rowdy amen. Amen. Let's go. You're you're getting it. For those of y'all who are a little slow, say a rowdy amen. amen. Here we go. Genesis 32, starting at verse 9. So Jacob is full of anxiety because he knows he's going back to the homeland where his brother vowed to kill him. And his brother and his brother's family is there. And so Here we pick up on the prayer that Jacob prays on the way home. It says this, verse 9, And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred, that I may do you good. (laughs) Jacob's saying, God, I don't know if this is really great timing or not, but I pray that when I go back that my brother Esau and his family, that they would do good to me. This is your plan, not mine. And he goes on and he says, I'm not worthy of the least of all the deeds of steadfast and all of the faithfulness that you have shown to your servant. God, he's saying, you've been better to me than I deserve. Scripture continues, he says, For with only my staff I crossed the Jordan, and now I have become two camps. He's saying, God, when I ran for my family and left the first time, I was poor. All I have is this little staff that helped me along the way. But but God, as I return, I am so blessed by you. My family is the size of two armies. Verse 11, he says, please deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he may come and attack me. The mothers with the children. But you said, I will surely do good and make your offspring as the sand in the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitudes. He says, God, you promised to be good to me. God, you promised you would deliver me. And little does Jacob know that Jacob was not only going to be delivered from his brother, but Jacob was going to also be delivered from Jacob. Let's skip down to verse number 22. After he prays this, the scripture says this, that same night that he prayed, he arose and took his two wives, kind of awkward, um, his two female servants, even more awkward, and his 11 children and crossed the ford of the Jabbok River. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else he had. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the break of day. The first thing I notice in the scripture is this. It's the contending. I notice that Jacob sends his family ahead to make sure everyone crosses the river safely, that no man or woman or sheep or goat is left behind. And once Jacob is alone, Jacob is enjoying some rare peace and quiet. I mean, could you imagine 11 kids, two wives, two servants, and um, a bunch of animals? I, Jacob didn't get much peace and quiet often. And so with no wives, no kids, and no families, in the quiet under the stars, suddenly, in the middle of his chill time, it's like, let's get ready to rumble. 
this man comes to wrestle and rumble with Jacob. And it's, I, I read this and I go, God, are you serious? A wrestling match? I mean, I know what it's like to be tired and worn out and, and moving along. I don't know what it's like to have two wives and other female servants, Lord, but I can only imagine that it would even be more tiring. And, and I'm having peace and quiet for the very first time. And I'm enjoying my time with you and we're praying and we're chatting and suddenly you come to wrestle me. Now, we've got to remember that Jacob actually prayed a prayer before this man comes and wrestles with him. And he prayed a prayer of deliverance. He said, Lord, deliver me from my brother. But I believe that God had something else in mind to deliver Jacob from. So he sends a man to help deliver Jacob to wrestle with Jacob. Here's really what's happening, and, and I want us to kind of see this through, through a New Covenant lens, a New Testament believer lens. See, in the Old Testament, the Bible commentators and, and historians and scholars often say that the Old Testament is Jesus concealed. In other words, we can't quite see Jesus clearly in the Old Testament. There's this little glimpse of him, and God did it on purpose. In fact, um, it's often referred to as the mystery of the gospel. Like, we can't see. What is, what is the mystery? What's really going on in the story? And then they also say that in the New Testament, it's Jesus revealed. So in the Old Testament, Jesus is concealed. It doesn't mean that he's not there. It just means that he's concealed. But in the New Testament, he's fully revealed. And, and here we, here's what's happening here in the scripture is that the first thing we know about the man that wrestled with him, it was a literal man. The second thing that we know is that this man was God. Verse 28 tells us this. We'll get there in just a moment. The third thing I notice is this, and many commentators say this, and well, I agree with them. Because I'm so smart, I agree with them. Otherwise, I would say I disagree with them and they're all wrong. No, I would never do that. That's a dangerous ground. They say this, that, that God the Father never revealed himself in human form in Scripture. He didn't. The Father God, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit never revealed himself in, in a human bodily form in all of Scripture. But what we do know is that, that God fully reveals himself in Christ as fully God and fully man in the New Testament. We do see that. And so it could only be that this man that wrestled with Jacob that was God, I want to submit to you today that, that I believe that this man that wrestled with Jacob was Jesus. I believe that Jacob had an encounter on the way to the promised land with God, Jesus, the Son of God. Why do I think this? Well, Colossians 1 and 15 says this. It says that Christ is the visible image of God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. So it, it, only, it only makes sense to me that, that the one who comes to deliver Jacob from something very terrifying and very huge in his life, he sends Jesus to do this. What might these verses reveal to us? Well, I believe it reveals to us that when we pray for deliverance, God sends Jesus. How many are grateful for that? How many are grateful that when we pray for deliverance, God doesn't leave us on our own to deal with our own deliverance. Because if we could deliver ourselves, we wouldn't need Jesus. How many know that's true? I believe that Jacob is about to enter the promised land, but this promised land is not so much about a land when we look at it from an Old Testament perspective. 
but it gives us a picture and a foreshadowing of somebody, not a place, but a person, and his name is Jesus. The promised land points us to a person named Jesus. Jesus is the land flowing with milk and honey. Jesus is the land of promise, the place of protection, the place of provision, the place of blessing. Perhaps some of you have been like Jacob. You have been striving. You have been contending. You have been doing your best to deal with your hangups and your enemy on your own, but it just hasn't been enough. And you got to the place where you're saying, God, I need you to deliver me. And how many of you would say, Jesus found me when I prayed that prayer of deliverance? Would you just thank him right now? Say, thank you, Lord. Here's the lesson I think that we can learn from Jacob, and it's this. Breakthrough often comes when we invite it. You know, God just doesn't come along and, and change stuff in our life when, when we don't want him to. He, he allows us to have a will, and when we hold him out, he stays out. But when we invite him in, guess what? He comes in. Yeah. Yeah. And it started with a prayer. It didn't just happen because he wished for it and wanted it. He prayed, God, deliver me. When is the last time you needed deliverance from something? And rather than just thinking about it, talking about it, posting about it on social media, that you just said, God, would you deliver me? The question I want you to ask yourself today is, is this. Am I overwhelmed by anything in the future? Is there anything in the future that you are overwhelmed by? Is it the economy? Is it inflation? Is it finances? Is it war? Is it rumors of war? Is it contention in the family, at work, or at school? Do you need a breakthrough in your life like Jacob needed a breakthrough in his life? I've got some space in the fill in the blanks there. For you just to consider that question for a moment. Do I need breakthrough somewhere in my life? Maybe write that thing down right there. The second thing I notice in this passage, we'll go to verse 25. Let's go ahead and read verse number 25. Why does Jesus wrestle with Jacob? Well, let's, let's read about it. Verse 25, it says, When the man, we know who this man is, it's Jesus. When Jesus saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, that's interesting, that he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. The second thing I noticed is I noticed the crippling. So interesting that Jesus cripples Jacob by merely touching We put so much effort to try to break things in our life. All the force and might of our body, all the wisdom that we can conjure up, all the will. We pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and we've taken all that we can take and we put all of our might into it and it's still not enough. And here comes Jesus with a touch. He just touches his hip socket. Did you know that medical professionals say that the hip joint is the strongest joint in the body? And all it took was a a touch from Jesus to dislodge and wreck 
the strongest joint in his body. And I don't know if Dr. Manny's look at me right now is like, boy, you're wrong. Or if he's like, good job, boy. I, I did research it, but you know, you can research anything and you know, you can get all kinds of different answers. <laughs> but Jacob prays for a prayer of deliverance and God answers his prayer by crippling and disabling him. Why would Jesus do something like this? I believe because Jesus sees that Jacob is not fit to enter the promised land as he is. Jacob's not fit to enter the promised land as he is in his humanity. He lacks spiritual maturity. He, he lacks emotional maturity. He does not have the humility and the obedience that the promised land is going to demand. So God gets him ready. Have you ever seen a place that God wants to take you, but you just couldn't quite get there? Perhaps it's because you didn't have what it takes to live in the land that God desires you to be in. Scripture says this, that he, Jesus, did not prevail against Jacob in this wrestling match. I find this so interesting. Some might say, wow, I can't believe that Jacob was so strong. In fact, he was stronger than Jesus. He was able to contend and hold Jesus off. Here's what I know is that nobody is a match for the all-powerful God. So there's no way that that straight, uh, obvious reading of this passage can mean that Jacob was stronger than Jesus. I believe that this is a picture of Jacob's resistance of God's first gentle methods throughout his life. Jacob has been resisting God's gentle methods. And because the Holy Spirit, because God is a gentleman and will not force himself upon somebody, he, he gently moves upon us. And so the, the reason why God was not prevailing over Jacob is not because God was not strong enough. Yeah. Hello, we see that he's strong enough, but it's because Jacob was resisting and that the methods and the means and the, and the gentle pressure that was being applied on Jacob while he was wrestling with Jacob was not enough because Jacob was so stubborn. He was so conniving. He was, he was a grabber and his nature was that he was just going to plant and not move. So God had to turn up the heat. How many know it's never good when God has to turn up the heat in our life? I believe that Jacob's stubbornness required strong persuasion by God. And what did Jesus cripple and disable in Jacob's life? Sure, he busted up his hip socket but I think if we look through a spiritual lens, I believe that Jesus came to answer Jacob's prayer for deliverance. Jacob had been wrestling with God. He needed to be delivered from his grabbing, his striving, and his manipulative nature. And Jesus came and delivered him. Rather than answering Jacob's prayer to clear his enemies, God clears something else out of Jacob's life. Here's the lesson we might learn from this is this. Sometimes Jesus makes a way for you, but sometimes he breaks a way in you. Sometimes we're saying, God, clear away my enemies. Jacob's like, God, take care of Esau. I'm really worried about him. I'm, I'm really nervous. And God looks at Jacob and says, Jacob, don't worry about Esau. I can clear that way, but I need to break away in you. 
so you can be ready for where I'm going to take you. Here's the question I want you to ask yourself today. Do you need Jesus to make a way for you or break a way in you? Because it's, it's okay to pray both of those prayers because there are times where you are broken and you need him to make a way. But there are times where there is a way. Scripture has given you very practical things. He's showed you there's a, a way of wisdom and there's a way to do your finances and there's a way to do your family and there's a way to do marriage and there's a way to do friendship and there's a way to do business. He, the way is clear for you. He, he's given it to you. But there is something in you that God needs to break so that you can walk that way. We're talking about getting you ready. God was getting Jacob ready for the promised land. We've noticed so far that there was a contending and there was a crippling. Let's notice the next thing. We're going to go to verse 26. It says this, verse 26. It says, then he, Jesus, or Jesus, then he said, Jacob. Jacob said, let me go. Sorry. Jesus said, that's when I get, get away from my notes. I have little captions in there to help me out. <laughs> then Jesus said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. How many of you know sometimes the weakness in you can also be the strength in you? The grabber Jacob, number three, I noticed the clinging the grabber Jacob is finally clinging on to the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> He'd been clinging on to the wrong thing his entire life. And now he has found the one that he should cling on after wrestling all night. Have you ever wrestled before? About when you're out of shape, about 30 seconds of all out wrestling will absolutely wear you out. And all night long, he wrestles with Jacob. Lionel Richie sings a song about it. He wrestles with Jacob all night long. And Jacob is absolutely exhausted. You guys are slow. <laughs> you guys are too slow. And he's exhausted and he's tired and his hip is busted up. And with all the strength in his body, which ain't much. He clings on to Jesus. Not a lot of strength left in him. And he holds on. And he says, will you bless me? I believe that Jacob finally begins to realize the strength and authority in this man. That through the pain and exhaustion, he begins to clearly see, in fact, that it is the power of God at work in this moment. And it's the power of God that has wrestled him to the ground. And he requests God. He says, God, will you bless me? Jacob had been chasing blessings his entire life. He tried to wrestle and manipulate the blessings out of his brother, the birthright out of his brother. He wrestled and manipulated his father to get the, the birthright and the blessing from his father as well. And he just manipulated people with his life. And here he finally realizes, I can't manipulate anymore. I, I've been trying to get the blessing and it just has not been working. I've been trying to steal it and take it. But now finally here is Jesus giving him this blessing. Some of you have been trying to grab the blessing from your employer, 
You've been looking at your employer as your provider. Some of you have been empty in your heart and, and maybe you've been trying to steal the blessing and, and grab out that next relationship that will fill you. That, that next friend will, that, will, that will be the best friend that you've always dreamed of or that, that next person that would be the mate that you've always dreamed of. Or, or maybe you got your hands on your spouse trying to, trying to fix them and, and change them to turn them into the blessing that you need. And God says, let go. And cling on to me. Because it's only when we let go with both of our hands that we can grab on to the one who can bless us. And in fact, Jacob lets go of Jesus. And he asks for the blessing. And he's like this. He's not grabbing anymore. Will you bless me? You can't take a blessing. You can only receive a blessing. You can work all you want. You can strive all you want like Jacob. You can can put all of your efforts in it, but you cannot take a blessing. You can only receive a blessing. Here's a lesson we learned from Jacob. You can only win with God when you're willing to lose to God. As long as you're fighting God, you cannot win. But when you're willing to lose to God, that's when you win with God. When you allow yourself to be humbled and and come down to your knees and, and finally let go and open your hands to receive what only he can give you. Here's the question I have for you today. What do you need to let go of? What or who have you been holding so tightly to In your notes, there's some space. Maybe there's some things you have on your heart that the Holy Spirit is drawing some attention in your mind to that you need to write down. The title of our message is Getting You Ready. Somebody say, Getting You Ready. I believe that God is getting you ready personally. I believe that He's getting us ready corporately for something significant in the kingdom. And we notice in these scriptures that there is a contending, there is a crippling, and there is a clinging. Let's continue to read the passage to see what else we discover, continuing at verse 27. It says this, and he, that is Jesus, said to him, what is your name? He says to Jacob. And then Jesus says, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. He says, Jacob, I want you to know, Jacob, that you have not been wrestling with a man, but you, in fact, Jacob, have been wrestling with me. You've been wrestling with God and you've been wrestling throughout your life with your brother, your father, your uncle, and even yourself. But I want you to know, Jacob, that finally you have won because you have let go. You have submitted yourself to me and and let me touch you. You finally grabbed onto the right person. Verse 29, then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that that you ask my name. And there, God finally blesses Jacob. The fourth, thing I, the fourth thing I notice is the changing in this passage, the changing. God asks Jacob, Jacob, what is your name? 
That might not mean a lot to us because names don't mean a ton in our culture today, although some try to pick names that you know, are, are great names and have great meaning. But names had meaning in the Old Testament, and Jacob's name had meaning. There was a lot of importance that went into names in the Old Testament. And, and God was saying to Jacob, Jacob, who are you? I believe that he wanted Jacob to confess that he'd been a sinner. To confess, can you imagine Jacob answering? God, his heart sinking to his chest before the Almighty God, I am a grabber, I'm a taker, I'm a manipulator, a striver, and I'm a deceiver. Here's what I know is that until you recognize what you are without God, you will never surrender to God. There are some spaces in your life that you're trying to figure out, why is not God bless me in that life? Perhaps it's because you're mishandling that area of your life. You have not yet surrendered that area of your life to God. And without surrendering to God, he cannot bless you. We've got to stop grabbing that space in our life and let go. I believe this is a huge moment of, of confession for Jacob in this moment. Have you ever had a moment of confession before God? And I, I believe that God is declaring, Jacob, you wrestled with me and you have lost, Jacob. And I'm proud of you because you lost finally. But Jacob, now you have won. He's saying, Jacob, I mean, imagine how sweet these words are for Jacob. Jacob, you are not a grabber. Jacob, you are, are not a striver. You are not a manipulator. And some of you have some things that you, that you, these sins that have followed you throughout your life, these lies that the enemy has continued to speak to your life over and over. And this tape plays in you and the tape says that I'm unworthy, that how could God love somebody like me? I, I'm a sinner. I, I have manipulated. I've, I've lied to people. I, I've been full of lust. I've been, I've been full of pride and that tape plays over and over and over. But you've got to realize that once you've submitted and you've confessed your sin to God, he gives you a new name. And he says, no, baby, that's not you no more. Stop talking to my child like that. You're, you're not a manipulator. You're not a striver. You're not a deceiver. You're not, you're, not, you're not a prideful person. You're a person of humility. And Jesus gives him a new name and says, your name is Israel. This name is not meant to just give him a name, but to remind him of who he is and who God is. The name Israel actually means this. It means that God strives. Jacob means that Jacob strives. And Israel means that, that God strives. God fights for you. And, and God wanted Jacob to know, Jacob, the rest of your life, now that you begin to say your name, when you introduce your people, you introduce yourself to people as, hey, I'm one that God strives for. I'm one that God fights for. And it's a reminder to Jacob that he doesn't have to fight and strive as he enters into the land of promise. When he stands across his enemies, that he doesn't have to fight and strive. When he stands across people where there's contention in their relationship, he doesn't have to fight and strive. Here's a lesson we can learn from Jacob. When you surrender, God fights for you. Yeah. Are you so grateful for that? Yeah. When you surrender, God fights for you. It reminds me of Exodus 14 and 4. God continues in the, the future of Jacob's 
children's life, the children of Israel. That's why they're called the children of Israel. And it says this in Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you and you have only to be still. How many know that God continually needs to remind us of that? Be still. I'm really good at fighting for you. Here's the question for us today. The question is this. What do you need God to fight for in your life? Is there something that you need God to rise up and fight for you? Just take a moment. Think about that thing. Write it down. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm beginning to bet that there's probably a theme with all of your responses. And this theme is on purpose. It's just when things are repetitive to you, then it's like, ah, ah, okay, okay. How many know that sometimes we're not all that smart? We don't need to be told once. We don't need to be told twice. We need to be told three, four, five, six, 10, 20 times where God is like, hello, hello. I want to talk to you about this space in your life. I love the invitation that Jesus gives us in Matthew 11, starting at verse number 28 in the message version. It says this, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Jacob, striver, come to me and get away with me and you will recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Jesus is where we take our real rest. He is the promised land. Walk with me and work with me. Submit. Don't make me cripple you, but walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn how to fight your battles by how I fight them. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I will not lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me. Keep company with me. Don't wander off. Keep company with me, and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Can you imagine how free and light Jacob was when God gave him a new name and delivered him. Can you imagine how free and light he was? The title of our message today is Getting You Ready. The last thing I noticed today, we're going to go to verse number 30. Here's what scripture says in verse number 30. It says this, so Jacob called the name of the place Peniel saying, for I have seen God face to face and yet my life has been delivered. My life has been delivered. Has your life been delivered? It says the sun rose up on him and he passed Penuel limping because of his hip. This fifth thing I notice is the cleansing. He is finally free from his old grabbing manipulative way. And he declares in verse 30, my life has been delivered. I asked for God to deliver me last night and my Life is now delivered. It must feel amazing. He's saying, I know the one who freed me because I saw him face to face. And he wrestled a stronghold out of my life. I see clearly. I know who he is. And I know who I was. And I know my strongholds. It's clear to me. It wasn't clear before. Jacob had been running his own life with foggy vision. Here's the lesson we learned from Jacob. Freedom gives you new vision. See, when we have strongholds in our life like Jacob did, it's really hard to see clearly. 
that you will run like Jacob ran. You will grab onto the things that you're not supposed to grab onto when you don't see clearly. And you will strive your entire life and you will contend. In fact, you'll actually contend against God because of your lack of freedom, because of that stronghold. But when God brings deliverance, it's like the eyes are washed. Have you ever experienced that before? And it's like, wow, I see clearly how I have been a willing participant in all of my chaos. Here's the question for you. Are you ready for new sight today? Are you ready for new sight? Are you tired of blurry sight? Are you tired of things being foggy in your marriage? Are you tired of things being foggy with you and your employer? Are you tired of things being foggy in your finances? Foggy as you look at the future of our world, full of anxiety like Jacob on the night that he prayed. And I believe that God wants to bring deliverance to you today to clear your vision so that you can wake up in the morning like Jacob woke up this early morning and the sun began to break up over the horizon and he began to see clearly. And he had a new vision. He could see the promised land and he knew he wasn't going alone. He knew he had the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob on his side. And he knew that that God was a God who was going to contend on his behalf no matter what came his way. We're talking about getting you ready today. Jacob was on the threshold, but God had to deal with Jacob because Jacob wasn't ready to go beyond the threshold. And here's what I want to ask you today with every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. I don't want to take for granted that people have made a declaration and a personal commitment to follow Jesus as a personal Lord and Savior. But perhaps there's somebody in here today who has never made a public confession. And maybe you have been like Jacob, striving against God and contending against him, wondering when you are going to enter your place of rest, your, your promised land. But I want you to know that scripture tells us that Jesus is our place of rest. He is our promised land. And if you want permanent rest in your life, not only here on this earth, but in eternity, the only way you do that is by welcoming Jesus into your life, by doing like Jacob, by confessing your sins to God when he says, what's your name? Who are you? Confess your sins kindly to God. And because of what God did on the cross through his son, Jesus, by paying the debt of your sin, if you welcome him in, you will welcome freedom into your life. You will welcome new vision into your life. If you need to surrender your life to Jesus today, I'm just going to ask you to just briefly wave your hand up just long enough so I can see it. Anybody in this room need to surrender their life to Jesus today? Here's the next thing I want to ask you. And it's really simple. It's really simple. you consider the questions that were asked? Did you underline anything? Did you circle anything? Did you write anything down? Is the Holy Spirit impressing anything upon you? Did he speak to you in any way, shape, or form? As a church family, if God has spoken to you about anything this morning, I don't care what it is, would you just stand on your feet all over this room? Yeah. God speaks to us. He's just talking all the time about he cares about everything in your life. Folks, we will never be ready to heaven for heaven until the day that we arrive in heaven. I mean, he is, he is always tweaking and, and turning and, and, and fixing things in our life and changing us and delivering us from this and, and delivering us from that. Why? Why does he do that? 
Because all of the things that you constantly beg him and ask him for, God, I, I want to see this. God, I want to see that. God, I want to do that. Here's how he does it. He does it by delivering you from your stronghold to give you clear vision. Here's what I want to do today as a declaration, as a church who says, we hear God. I want to just invite us together, just come up all around the front of this room, all across the room as a people, just shoulder to shoulder, saying we are a people that God speaks to. And maybe declaring like Jacob, I am one that God strives for. I want you to know today that you, you, I don't care what's going, you do not fight on your own. You are not waging the war for your children's salvation on your own. You are not waging the war for your finances on your own. You are not waging the war of of your marriage on your own. Because God is one who fights for you. Come on in real close right here. Just kind of spread it out. There we go. Make it easier for everybody over there. Because you, you have entered the promised land. You have entered Jesus. And he is with you.